Well, hello, Mountain. It's so good to be with you today. My name is Evan Magnus, and I'm one of the pastor's kids here today. And it's so great that we're able to gather and worship together. If you're a guest here today, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope that you already feel welcome. As you may know, we are one church that meets in three locations, and I'm so glad that we're able to worship with our Edgewood and our Bel Air campus. I also want to say a special hello to kids today. If you're in first through fifth grade, we're so glad you're here. Today's going to be a super fun day as we continue with our series, Love Handles. Now, to be honest, I wasn't exactly sure what love handles were, but I talked to my dad about them, and he assures me that everyone in the room over 40 already knows what they are. So I think we got that covered. All right. But that's not really what the series is about. Mainly, the series is about the fact that we all have problems. All of us have things about ourselves that we wish were different, and that's especially true in our relationships. It's true in our families, our friendships, our marriages, and our dating relationships. They all have love handles. And that's true about today's topic, too. Today we're talking about the next generation. We're talking about kids and parents. We're talking about old folks and people like me. Some of us are part of the next generation. Some of us may even be worried about the next generation. But I think we all care about the next generation. Because at some level, we know that it matters. Because guess what? In just a few years, we're going to be running the place. I know, scary, huh? But my dad says that he was once my age, which I think means that one day I'll be his age. So it seems to me that we need to figure out this next generation stuff so that when it's our turn, we'll be ready and you guys won't be terrified to give us a shot. So this stuff is pretty important. And it's also really hard. Because when it comes to the next generation, we all have love handles. We have parts of our lives and our families that just don't look like we wish they did. And we need help from God. Help to learn how to care for the next generation. And we need help to learn how to be a part of the next generation. So that's what we're talking about today. How do we raise up the next generation so that all of you guys can hand things off to all of us without messing the whole system up? But before we get to that, I expect some of you are asking about the rocks. Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, this rock here, well, it's not the same exact rock, but it reminds me of a story my dad tells when he visited ancient Ephesus, and he sat on every single one of the ancient public toilet seats so he could say he sat on the same toilet seat as the Apostle Paul. He says, he tells me the story so he can show that the Bible isn't a fairy tale. It's history that happened in real life, in real places. I think he tells it because it's about toilets. And this rock here, it's from the same stone steps that used to be the back steps to Mountain Christian Church, the old ch church building. My grandpa used to sit on these steps after church, and so did his dad and his dad before that. It reminds me of the legacy that my family has at Mountain Christian Church. But I know some of you weren't asking about the individual rocks. You were wondering about the whole pile. Well, to get to the point of the whole pile, we have to go to a whole nother story. We have to go to a story from Scripture. 
But I think my grandpa tells this story better than I do, so I'll let him do that. Can you guys welcome my grandpa as he comes to share a story with us? Thanks, Evan. So, we need a story about a pile of stones, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So, can I go to the Old Testament? Yep, Old Testament, Joshua. Book of Joshua, yep. chapters 3 and 4. Yep. All right, I can do that. You have a seat, and I'll tell you a story. All right. Good deal. Now, here's the background of the story. God had used Moses to lead the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt, right? And then for 40 years, he led them across the wilderness of Sinai, and he's led them right to the border of the Promised Land. They're on the east side of the Jordan River. That's their last barrier before getting to Canaan, the the land that God had promised them. A new leader has stepped forward. His name is Joshua. So kind of a next generation thing, huh, is happening here. That's the background. Now here's what happened. Joshua sent this message throughout all the encampment. When you see the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. By the way, do you know what this Ark was? Do you, you know what it looked like? Yeah, Can you picture yeah. this? It's a, it's a gold box, mm-hmm. very ornate and decorated poles for the priests to carry mm-hmm. and like, kind of like wings on the top. You exactly, know? good. Yeah. yeah. Now, so you, you read about that in the yeah. Old Testament, did you? Um. No, I think Indiana Jones. Oh, oh, Indiana Jones. Okay. Well, at any rate, back to the story. Here's how it goes. When you see the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, break camp and follow them. You've never been here before, so they will show you the way to go. So everyone did as Joshua said. The people passed down to the river. The the priests got in front of them. They took the ark. They waded down into the river, waist deep, and stood there while the people passed by. The people left the camp to cross the Jordan. The priests went ahead of them, carrying the ark, and as soon as the priests stepped into the river, the water stopped flowing. As soon as the priests stepped into the river, while the people were walking across on dry ground, the priest carried the ark and stood in the middle of the Jordan until all the people had crossed over. And this is when God told Joshua something that just fascinates me. When the whole nation had crossed the Jordan, God told Joshua, Choose twelve men, one from each tribe, and command them to take twelve stones out of the middle of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests were standing. Tell them to carry these stones with them, and to put them down where you camp tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men and said, Each of you, take a stone on your shoulder. These stones will remind the people of what the Lord has done. So... Joshua set up the twelve stones in a big pile. And he said to all the people, In the future, when your children ask what these stones mean, tell them about the time when Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Tell them that the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan for you just as he did the water of the Red Sea for us. And because of this, Everyone on earth will know how great the Lord's power is. And you will honor the Lord your God forever. So, there you go. 
heap of stones, right? A memorial. And it's so important because these memorials tell us two things. They tell us what memorials are for, and they tell us who memorials are for. Memorials like this tell us that memorials remind us of who God is, of the nature of God, and of God's presence in our lives. But memorials like this also tell us what God does. They remind us that God is with us and powerfully acting in our lives. God's presence, God's purpose, and God's power. But memorials like this are also important because they tell us who the stones are for. Now, you, you may say, well, that's easy. The stones were for the next generation. The stones are for the children who are asking the question, what do these stones mean? And, of course, that's true. But these stones are just as much for the older generation to remind us to tell the stories. Did, did you notice verse 21? It says, in the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean? You tell them about the time when Israel, that's you, crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So this is a story for gatherers of stones. This is a message for people with boulders on their shoulders. This is a story for parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, older cousins, teachers of all kinds, youth workers of all kinds. We are the gatherers of stones. We are the makers of memorials. We are the leavers of legacies. We've got to be the ones who step up, take every opportunity to find ways to share the stories of our faith, of our growth in faith, of our service, and of all the ways in which God's faithfulness has impacted our lives. And you know what? The story of Joshua is not the only time that God used stones to remind the people of God's faithfulness. There was one time when Jacob was running away from Esau, running away from his responsibilities before God, and he slept overnight and had this dream and the next morning, he set up a stone on that spot to remind him how God had called him to faithfulness, how God had promised his presence and guidance, and how God had called Jacob to respond faithfully to God. And then there was another time when God had led the Israelites into victory, a great victory over the Philistines, one of their arch enemies. And the prophet Samuel took a took a large stone and set it up like a pillar right on the site of the battlefield and he gave that stone a name Ebenezer did you say Ebenezer no Evan this is not about you this is not Ebenezer this is Ebenezer it means a stone of help because Samuel said thus far the Lord has helped us so you see what's going on here with these stones? Whenever God's people realize that God has done something truly epic in their midst, in their lives, in their families' lives, in their church's life, they gather stones, they make a memorial, they leave a legacy, they develop a plan, a, a concrete strategy for passing that epic event on 
to the next generation. And you know what? You can collect stones that aren't really stones. You know what I mean? You, you, can, you can collect memories, story stones that we want to keep and collect and pass on to others. The Old Testament is full of stories like this. Um, Think about the flood. You remember what God gave them to help them remember God's faithful promise? A rainbow. A rainbow, exactly. And then there was the time when God wanted to remind them of his creative power in the creation of the universe. So God set aside one day of every week and said, I want you to pause and remember my creation power. Remember what they called that day? Sabbath. Sabbath. That's Saturday, exactly. And what Jesus called the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. It's kind of a monument in words because God went on to say, impress those words on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, kind of like when you drive down I-95, huh? when you lie down and when you get up. There's so many of these. Uh, the Passover is just like this. The festival of the Passover and the unleavened bread. This was to remind them of, of how God led them out of slavery in Egypt so many hundreds of years before. This wasn't just a small family picnic. This was a feast. This was a national festival to remind them of the exodus, the most pivotal moment in the life of their relationship with God. In other words, whenever God did a mighty thing among his people, God provided a concrete strategy for remembering what God had done. And you know what? Families can collect stones too. They can they can gather stones. My family's been gathering stones for a long long time, uh, stories and stones that have passed down to me and that I can pass down to you and my other grandkids. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let me ask, what does that stone there with the carvings on it at the bottom mean? This one down here? Yeah. Well, this is a stone that was in the wall of a stone barn in Emerton, Maryland, where I grew up. And um, it says, James Magnus, 1836. So is, yeah. is that the year you were born? <laughs> no, no, I think you missed the point there a little bit. Um, now, this is not a memorial of my birthday, all right? This is a memorial of my family and uh, my family's commitment to one another and to God throughout the decades and, and to this church throughout the decades as well. And speaking of the church, you know, churches can gather stones too. In fact, uh, I'm quite fond of a stone that's in the entryway to Walker Chapel up here on the hill. It's a cornerstone. And when I was seven years old, I saw that stone taken out of the wall of the old frame church uh, over the hill and opened up and it's in, in, it was inspected, uh, what was inside it, then resealed and carried over here and put back into the wall of this brand new beautiful stone church building up on the hill. Now, Grandpa, you know that brand new church building is actually the really old church building. Is there kind of a theme here to your comments? Uh, I heard that old folks phrase earlier. I heard that. Okay. Well, new or old, it doesn't matter what you call it. That stone is part of Mountain's legacy. 
It's part of our legacy. It's part of your legacy. And I want you, literally, you and your dad and, and your whole family and my whole family. In fact, I'd love for the, all the members of Mountain Christian Church to just wander by that stone every now and then as a concrete strategy for remembering all the years of commitment and community of God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of our ancestors in this spot. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, hey Ethan. Good. Y'all are killing it out here. Wow, man, it's amazing. Um, so uh, it's going pretty well so far. Yeah. Yes. Good? Yeah. Evan's good. doing well. Hey, this pile of rocks is nice. I love this. You all build this? Sure yep. enough. Oh, that's so great. Oh wait, are you doing the Joshua thing? Yep. Like where they took the stones out of the river and they piled them. Oh, because it's Memorial Day weekend. You got right? it. Right? Yeah. Got tell it. the kids. Awesome. That's so good. That's good. Wait, did you tell them about rainbows? Rainbows. Got rainbows. Rainbows. Gosh, you did rainbows right away. Did you do? Um, did you do Ebenezer? Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Mm-hmm. And oh Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, okay, that was not in the script. Um, did you, I don't think you didn't leave me anything good, did you? You took all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, well, this is it, right? This is the strategy. What's the big secret? This is the big secret. Make a big pile of rocks. Set aside a special day. Set aside a day every week or a festival every year. Every time you see a rainbow, make a decision to have a strategy to leave a legacy of what God has done in your life. And they took all the good examples, I think, so I get to tell you the fact that you're all thinking right now, which is that if we take this seriously, it is going to be really, really hard. I mean, some of the obstacles to this kind of story stone life, some of the obstacles are just going to be natural ones, you know. It takes a lot of time to leave a legacy like this, doesn't it? And we're busy people. We're busy with jobs. We're busy with soccer practice. We're busy with our iPhones. Who has time to stop and tell a story every time you see a pile of rocks? I get it. But here's what I know. This is what God knew too. God knew that time just does not spring up on its own. Either we take the time to leave a legacy or it doesn't get left. What I notice about the strategies God gave people regarding time is he told them to do two things. He told them to redeem the time and to make time. You know, remember he says, just as you walk around, tell people of my faithfulness. And we need to do that. We need to redeem the time that we have. If you didn't check out, if maybe you weren't here, maybe you were gone or something, if you didn't hear the sermon on Mother's Day that Ben preached... He gave us some wonderful ideas of how we as families could redeem our summer vacation as an opportunity to leave a legacy of faith with our whole family. Uh, we got some great ideas. We're going to do some diff- we're going to do things differently this summer because of what Ben shared in that sermon. So pick up the CD, check that out. But there's so many times that need, we need let's redeem Christmas. What if Christmas became a way we left a legacy not just of presents but of our faith in a God who sent his son to save us? What if we redeemed Thanksgiving? Maybe you need to redeem your morning routine by letting it be an opportunity to share the faithfulness of God. And not just redeem time. If we're really going to take, find the time, if we're going to overcome the obstacle of time, we're going to have to also make some time. That's what a Sabbath is, right? You make the time. You carve it out. You say, this is not regular time. This is set aside time so that we can remember God and pass on that legacy. In some of our families, we're going to need to set aside some time or set aside the iPhones. That's what we're doing in our house. We plug them in when we get home. That way the batteries are charged and we can connect as a family. So we need to set aside that time. And there are more obstacles than that, aren't there? 
I know one of the big obstacles I think people face when they think about the need to leave a legacy for the next generation is they face the reality, a lot of us do, that maybe you didn't get the legacy from the previous generation that you wish you had. I'm so grateful of the stories that I can tell, literally going back dozens of generations of people who have given and served for God's church. But I know not everybody has those stories. In fact, some of my best friends in life right now are people who would say that the legacy they were given by their families is not a legacy they would want to pass on. In fact, they've kind of had to say, I won't pass on the legacy. It ends here. I'll be the last one who will pass on that legacy. But you know what I've watched them do? I've watched them do the most amazing thing. Because they're committed to being legacy leavers, even though they didn't have the legacy they would have liked. What I've watched them do is partner with the church and say, now I'm part of the family of the church. So guess what? My rocks, they're your rocks. And your rocks are my rocks. They're all our rocks. And so they've gone to the rocks of the church and they said, our family... The first rock of our family is going to be an acknowledgement that God is faithful and Christ has saved us and Christ has called us to a new way. The second rock of the legacy of our family is going to be our response to be faithful in return and to let Christ guide us. And rock by rock, they are partnering with the church and pretty soon their rocks are our rocks and it's just one great big legacy we're all handing on together. Because listen, I know there are real obstacles to legacy leaving. Maybe you didn't receive the legacy you wished you had or maybe you're too busy to take the time to tell all those stories. But what I also know is God has not given us a way out. God knows the obstacles and yet still God says what you have received you must pass on. Pile up some stones so that when your children ask, you can tell them. Listen, just so we're clear, we, we gave a bunch of Old Testament examples, but this is not just Old Testament stuff. This is our call. This is the church's call. This is New Testament stuff. It's all throughout the New Testament, this call to leave a legacy. One of my favorite and clearest texts is from a, a letter that Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy. It's 2 Timothy 2.2. Ever read that for us. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. That's it. What you heard me say to you, you tell to others who can tell it to others. Paul said, I received a legacy of faith from the apostles and from Jesus. And I've given you everything I've got, Timothy, and I've set you loose to lead the church. And now I want you, Timothy, to give these people everything you've got so that they will give other people everything they've got. And the legacy receiving and the legacy leaving just keeps moving forward. Now, I want you to notice something. Some of you might be thinking to yourself, okay, so this is sort of a family thing, right? Because I don't have kids or my kids are out of the house, so I'm pretty much off the hook. Well, Paul didn't have kids either. Paul didn't have kids. And yet Paul left a legacy of faithful Christian leadership all over the Roman Empire. Because Paul knew none of us are off the hook on the call to tell the next generation what the stones mean and what God has done and how God has been faithful and how God will be faithful. Some of you might be thinking, okay, I'm off the hook because I'm young. This is for old people, right? But no, you're not either. 
Because Timothy was young. And yet Paul says to him, okay, you've heard it from me. Now you tell it to people who will tell it to people. This is for everybody. And the foundation, of course, of this legacy leaving is Jesus Christ. Listen to what 1 Peter says here. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We got talking about this text uh, earlier in the week and remembering that kids would be with us. My dad was saying this text always reminds him of a children's game. So that seemed appropriate. Tell him about that. Yeah, well, I I love this verse. It, It sets up Christ as our ultimate example. And then we follow Christ and then we leave an example to others and they follow us. It reminds me of fourth grade, Miss Marzula's class at Bel Air Elementary School. She took the whole fourth grade out onto the playground and said, all of us are going to play follow the leader. The whole bunch of us. You know how to play follow the leader, Evan? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here's a, here's a little quiz. When you play follow the leader well, who do you have to pay attention to? The person in front of you or the person behind you? Well, I think both people. Ah, why, why do you think that? Well, obviously the person in front of you, so you can copy their example and you can do the action right, but then you also have to pay attention to the person behind you, so you can make sure that they're interpreting your action correctly and that they're copying it. I think you got it. And this is the Christian life. Learning a legacy and leaving a legacy. Pursuing a legacy that we must receive and getting strategic about the legacy that we must leave. The New Testament is filled with these examples. In a minute, we'll share in the meal of communion and be reminded that that is a legacy-leaving act, a memory of what God has done. And in fact, the gospel itself, the very good news that Christ has come, death has been defeated, and sin no longer gets the final word in our life, that is our legacy, which we must pass on. Listen to the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. The core of our faith, it turns out, is a story. A story of God's victory through Christ Jesus that someone told you. And now you are called to tell someone else. So here we are. God's people standing here on this side of the river. God has worked miracles in our lives and in our parents' lives and in the lives of the church for generations after generations. God's faithfulness to us knows no end and we are called to build a pile of rocks so that we must strategically tell the next generation and those who would come after us. So we're going to get strategic. We're going to get really practical here in a second. Because you'll notice every time, God doesn't just say, so make sure you don't forget to tell somebody. He gives them a strategy. So let's do it here. Evan, get us started here. How are we going to actually pull this off? I've got two practical suggestions for us kids. And my dad says that even if you're twice my age, you probably still qualify. Number one is that we need to ask for more stories. Joshua told the people of Israel to tell the story of God's rescue when their kids ask, what do those stones mean? So we need to ask questions. Ask someone how they decided to follow Christ or how they accepted the call of Christian leadership. Study the stories of Scripture. That's our legacy, and we need to know it well. 
get involved in Mountain Kids or student ministry or young adult ministry where people are there and ready to share their legacy and tell us what the rocks mean. Number two is that I think we need to make sure we don't get distracted by this whole next generation language. As we sometimes say at Echo, no matter how young you are, you aren't the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. Let me say that again. We aren't the church of tomorrow. We're the church of today. So even though we're learning and asking about our legacy of faith that the church has to give us, we also need to make sure we're leaving a legacy for others. When God does something in your life, or when you learn a great story from your heritage of faith, pile up a rock, keep a journal, put it in a scrapbook, so you'll be able to share your faith with whoever is the next generation after you. And we gotta know that we are never too young to start being a rock collector. You're never too young to start being a rock collector. And you're also never too old to continue to collect rocks while you start to tell others what they mean. Whether you're three or 103, all of us need to face with great clarity these questions that God has been asking God's people for all time. What is your strategy for leaving a legacy? What is your strategy for receiving the legacy of faith? I guess we'll start there, right? What is your strategy for receiving the legacy of faith that God has left? What's your strategy for receiving the legacy of faith that's contained in Scripture? Are, are you studying God's Word every day? Are you, you in a small group? Do you have any If you don't have an idea, come ask somebody for help. It'd be the best conversation we had in a month if you came and asked somebody, how can I actually learn the legacy of faith that's contained in Scripture? Do you have a mentor through the season of life that you're in? Someone who's a few steps ahead of you, who's maybe walked that path, can help you avoid some of their mistakes and help you to weather the mistakes you'll make? Are you part of a small group, a community that's taking seriously, receiving well the legacy of faith that's been left for them? Once you've got that strategy, the, the other question emerges, right? What's your strategy for leaving a legacy? And again, nobody's off the hook here. Kids... There are people to whom you can leave a legacy. Old folks, as he calls them. There are lots of people to whom you can be systematically and strategically leaving a legacy. I'll say a word to our families here just for a second. As I look at all these examples from Scripture, here's what I notice. Those times when God's people were strategic about leaving a legacy, they had memorials in their life that made it hard to forget. Piles of rocks things on the wall, you could do that, right? You could put an actual pile of rocks in your front yard. It'd be a little weird, but I promise you, every time you drive by, you'd remember, I am committed to telling the stories of my faith. Maybe put something on the wall so everybody knows what the foundation of your home is. And beyond memorials, we need rhythms, we need practices. You need a weekly practice, maybe that regrounds your whole family in the fact that you're founded on the legacy of faith that begins in the work of Christ Jesus. Maybe you need a daily practice of reading Scripture together. I don't know, but what I know is if you don't have a strategy, the stories won't get told. The legacy won't get left. I was a little struck. I told Evan this week, he learned something about being a preacher. Sometimes you preach to other people, but usually you preach to yourself. I was struck this week 
by, I asked, did I ever tell you that story? And he's like, no. What about this one? No. These stories were at the core of my life of faith. And 12 years in, I haven't told him yet. That's because I didn't have a strategy. And if you don't have a strategy, the stories won't get told. And it's not just families. It's the whole church. Paul didn't have a family, and yet Paul left a legacy everywhere he went. God has always called all of God's people to share in the responsibility of making memories, of strategically leaving a legacy for the next generation. So I want to be real clear. I want to be real practical with this challenge. Here's what I'd like to ask all the people of God to do. Make sure you give at least 20 years to investing in the next generation. Whoever that is for you, give 20 years to investing in the next generation. And when you've finished, give just 20 more. Okay? Just tw- and then after that, we'll go in 10-year increments because, you know, I know the expiration date's ticking. I get that. Okay. So 20 years, another 20, then 10 years in a row after that. All right? Because all of us need to do this. There are people in this church, young people from 3 to 103, and all of us are young in some place, who need the legacy of faith that you have. Here, just just a few data points for you in case you're curious. If you're over 12, they are ready for you to be a helper in Mountain Kids. If you're over 16, they're ready for you to be a leader in Mountain Kids. If you're over 18, they're ready for you to leave a legacy with the middle schoolers of this church. If you're in your early 20s, they're ready for you to leave a legacy with the high schoolers of this church. If you're over 30, they're ready for you to be a mentor, to leave a legacy to the young adults who are taking their first steps of adulthood right here in this church. There are stones sitting around and we need people to step up and tell us what they mean. And you could be the person. And if you're over that, then they're ready for you in all those places to be a part of the work of God, to leave a legacy that will transform our future. Because Evan's right. The big handoff is coming. The day will come when someone else will have to step up to be obedient to God and caring for the poor, as the church has always done. Someone else will have to step up to care for widows and orphans in our midst, as Jesus commanded us. Someone else is going to have to step up to lead the church in worship and discipleship and evangelism and service, as Christ has called us to do. Someone else will have to step up to tell the good news that death didn't win, that sin got defeated, that Christ is alive A new life is possible. Someone else is going to have to step up. And if we fail to leave a legacy, then the mission of God will falter. But if we're faithful, in the moment God gave us, to receive the legacy that has been left for us, and to intentionally and strategically leave it for the next generation, then we'll get to watch the most wonderful handoff as the mission of God surges forward and a new generation rises up to in their day live faithfully as the people of God. Won't you join me in making that our prayer? Oh God, do not let us shrink back from the duty to which we've been called. Let us with all faithfulness and with strategic Holy Spirit-inspired energy do the work of leaving a legacy to those who come behind us. 
Let us receive that which you have for us, God, so that we can in turn share it when they ask, what do those rocks mean? That everyone for generations to come will know that Christ is King and death has lost. And it is His name we pray these things. Amen.